does people plus food service plus conversation equal? The Food Service for Thought podcast. Produced by Forbes Heaver and Wallace and hosted by Carrie Clements and Justin Oliveras, the bi-monthly podcast connects the food service industry through in-depth conversations with chefs, restaurant equipment suppliers, food service establishment owners, and so many others that make up our wonderful industry. If you like food, people, and great conversation, we think you will enjoy the Food Service for Thought podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Food Service for Thought podcast. Justin here along with Carrie. Carrie, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thursday's a new Friday, so doing pretty pretty good. That's right. You can't have a bad week if it's always the weekend. <laughs> so today we are going to jump right in. We have an excellent guest. His name is Renee Rodriguez. He is basically the person who runs everything south of Dallas, uh, just <laughs> in the state. And we will we will get into all that, but but to welcome him in, welcome in Renee. Thank you for for taking time out of your day to join us on the on the podcast. Hello, guys. Thank you for for the invite. You bet, Carrie. Let's uh, put the pedal to the metal and get right into our amuse bouche questions. And for anybody listening that doesn't know, amuse bouche is a kitchen term that is sort of a, a very initial bite, a very small appetizer to wet the palate and sort of wake the palate up and, and get everybody going. So that's what uh, this these questions are going to do, is sort of get us familiar and get Renee comfortable, get him uh, a little loosened up, some some stretching here, and we'll get right into it. So the first one is, Renee, the first amuse-bouche question, what is the food you cook most often for the people that you love? Well, I, one of my one of my specialties is is a uh, the Mexican shrimp cocktail. That's kind of my favorite one that we've uh, – that have always always been a, a big hit when when people are coming over and and my family are are all together. So, all right, I'll be over for happy hour. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Carrie, you're up. Okay, so Renee, if you were a food, what food would you be? It'd have to be two chips and salsa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, how many people? That's the answer for many, many people. Pizza or chips and salsa? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now yeah. put them together and you've got a great meal. Oh, my gosh. Last of Moose Boo's question. What is your go-to food when you are maybe down, you're sad, you're not having a great day, or maybe you are having a great day and you want to celebrate? What's Renee's go-to food? Tacos. My kids know that, you know, if it's any anything special or anything um, – they'll you know it's it's taco taco tuesday we you know we we follow that pretty regularly so it's 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 like uh hoy who we work with renee i think you met him um when he says goodbye or his greeting or his salutation um on tuesdays is always happy taco tuesday (laughs) you gotta have a taco you gotta have tacos Whatever, fish tacos, soft tacos, breakfast tacos, got to have tacos on, on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are great answers. I, I really like the the, uh, the Mexican shrimp cocktail. I think that's pretty interesting. Chips and salsa, that's, it should be on the state flag here in Texas. It should. And, uh, yeah, and the flagpole should be tacos. So I think you, you, you hit the trifecta there. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Pretty good combo. I was born and raised in, in, in Texas. And, you know, I, I, I love the 
all the all those traditional foods. So. so so what has a typical day look like for you before COVID? Like regular responsibilities and to-dos. I'm guessing not every day was regular. You had to deal with a lot of things, but but how would you explain kind of what that was pre-COVID? Well, on the UT campus, there's just so many different things that you have to uh, to take care of and look after and things like that. When you're dealing with um, 7,400 students that actually live and, and dine with us on a, on a regular basis and 52,000 students that, that are on campus, and then, and then you're dealing with 18,000 faculty and staff that are on campus too. So the campus is, is, is really big and, and, and there's just so many different avenues uh, of having, you know, having your typical day. You know, my typical day started at seven in the morning and, and uh, at least going through some, in, uh, some emails and things like that just to get started, but then visiting all the locations. And, and that, that was really important. And then in the evenings, uh, we kind of work kind of late because then you're you're dealing with student groups that you're visiting with, student uh, associations that you're dealing with, uh, meeting with them, you know, finding out. You know, my biggest thing at, at all of these meetings with our students was, hey, I need to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. To tell them the ugly, we need to get rid of. The good, we need to con- continue. The bad, we need to fix. And then taking it back to my staff, we're educators. We're part of the campus. We have to be the educators. We have to teach them what's in the foods. We have to teach them what we're doing with the foods and where it's coming from and where, you know, the sustainability aspects of it and things like that. We had an oppor- we have an opportunity to teach every single day. So I used to, that was a, the hardest part of changing. The atmosphere around here is 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 changing food service staff to understand that they're not just you know cooking and serving food. Right, that's not their job. Their main job is to teach these students coming to us and teach them where the foods are coming from, where how it was made. You have to be able to to explain all these things for these students and uh, and teach them. And and it really went a long way with with my staff. What were some of the things that you did to help educate the students? Because I imagine there's probably plenty of college students who didn't care. and They're like, just give me the slice of pizza. But I'm sure that there were a lot of students who were interested and eager to learn kind of some details. So what were some of those things that you did to help educate them, uh, you know, when they're coming in hungover for breakfast every morning? (laughs) Uh, I, I converted. We have food committee meetings, right? And all campuses, you have a food committee meeting. But I, I did a, a different turn on how to how to generate more more of the students to 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 come to these meetings. You know, when I first started, I would have these food committee meetings, and maybe four or five students would show up. Well, it was like, come on, we got to get these students more actively to tell us what's going on and things like that. So, I I um, I got my chef involved, and I got my my registered dietitian involved. So what I started doing is that it was an hour meeting. I used to tell the students, I said, look it, I just need you for an hour and I guarantee we'll get you out of here within the hour. The first 15 minutes, I would have my chef 
do a demo of a recipe and teach them. Like one of the demos we used to do is, is guacamole, how to make guacamole. We, we would teach them what, what avocado to pick and what, when you go to the grocery store, how to pick an avocado, how to, how to peel out of, how to cut one. How to you know and and chop it up and and which peppers to use and how to how to look at the peppers and my chef had to put a whole whole thing together but he had to do it in fifteen minutes then my dietitian had fifteen minutes to explain the benefits of that the avocados or any of the vegetables we used and and what nutrients were in it and what all these items and then the half an hour was for them that's when i would go to them and say all right let's let's hear the good the bad and the ugly of of all these locations the other thing is i did is i brought in one manager from every location to listen to the students and then the kicker of the whole thing which turned it completely around was i would make the team put a kit together of everything they taught we put a we put a, a half avocado. We put a, a piece of uh, the 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 onion, the peppers. We put it all together in a box, and then we used to tell them, "All right, now go to your dorm room and make it. Go to your resident hall and make this for your for the students down the hall." That's really yeah. cool. That it is be- so cool. It became such a cool thing. The students knew they were going to go away with something. They knew they were going to learn something. They knew that 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 they were going to have something to share with the other residents of the day. It was so neat. Then it, be, it started becoming. I mean, it was standing room only at these meetings because they knew they were going to learn something. I mean, we taught them how to do a a cake in a in a in a mug. You know, the cake in the mug deal, and in a microwave. We showed them how to cook eggs in a microwave. Uh, we just all these different recipes. And then we gave them all the ingredients to do it. Even the mug. I mean, we'd, we'd give them a mug and, and all the ingredients in the mug. and They'd go back and they were happier. And uh, But then they started sharing what we needed to change, what we needed to improve in, in our areas. But they, it was, I think of all the things that I enjoyed the most was, was doing those particular meetings. Because from that meeting, we we started, our first one was a, a food committee meeting. Our second set of meetings was a vegetarian and vegan meetings. We started doing the same thing for them. And and then the rest of the, the rest of the, the, the groups started asking for these meetings too. Other, other organizations started asking for these things. And so my chef and, and my dietitian, we'd go out on the, out on the road <laughs> here on campus and, and go do some of those those events, even with students that didn't live on campus. We started doing those events, so it turned out to be a, a huge thing for us, and I, I I just loved it. Justin, I'm my like having all these idea bubbles <clears throat> in my head right now, especially like even for us. And I, the idea of adding the dietitian is is brilliant. Like the chef part, that's super fun and engaging, and is a a a really brilliant icebreaker um, because it's hard for, to get people who you don't have a great relationship with yet. They don't know you to share hard things. You know, we we don't know how to say hard things like, uh, you know, 
everybody's grumpy in that cafeteria or, you know, the chips are stale over there, whatever. Um, you know, because if you don't have that feedback, they start avoiding and not buying your product, right? At UT, that's food. But I mean, okay. and I just like that. I think that's brilliant. I've, I took, I've been taking notes because I think this, this is really brilliant. That's cool. Well, and I, I'm just glad that I now know where the avocado shortage was. <laughs> <laughs> Renee just had a student meeting and he's like, all right, standing room only. We need nine cases of avocados so everybody can have a half one. That's a, re- that's a really neat idea and to, be, and to be able to, as a student, to be able to almost have like a free class where I'm yeah. learning and then yes. I can take that back and, and hang out in the dorm room and make guacamole. Like that's, that's really cool. With some of the feedback that you would get, especially early on, do you remember what, what some of that feedback was? Was it students just sort of complaining or was there legitimate things about like, hey, the food's cold or, the, you know, we can't get through the line or whatever? What was some of that like? Oh, there was a lot of it, a lot of different things. It really was, it really was a lot of different things that was, was uh, creating those, those uh, deals for us. Uh, a lot of complaints. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean when you're dealing with as many students as we're dealing with, I mean, you're not going to make all of them happy, but when you can, when you can actually tell them why we're doing certain things and explain the reasons, it's one of the examples I, I tell the students, I say, you know, I could, if you wanted to do steak and lobster every day, yeah, we can do that. But do you want to pay this much for your, yep. for your meal plan? The biggest mistake was when I came on campus, they were still using, these huge trays and they'd load up these trays and then they'd go to the dish room and half of the food was eaten and half of the food was not, you know? So they were over, over serving. So I, <laughs> first thing I did was I said, all right, well, we need to get a smaller tray and then, you know, cut down waste. Oh my God. I, it really, I mean, they were complaining. They were, Oh, they were, I said, okay, so, we took it a different direction. And I said, all right, how are we going to do this? Because I got beat up. <laughs> I got beat up real bad. <laughs> wow. it was, I mean, on the Daily Texan. I mean, I got. I oh, got, my gosh. <laughs> I got hammered. I got hammered on, on all Because around. you switched the tray size? Yes. <laughs> I didn't take them away. Okay. I take, so, so I got my sustainability coordinator and we started doing. Um, studies on how much food was wasted. We literally had students sitting there taking what was still edible and putting it into one bucket. What's not edible, then was truly waste, went to another bucket. We started weighing it. We started showing the students how much waste was going away and how much we could do. When it was all said and done, by the end of the year, they had passed they had passed um, a, a deal with all student signatures to get rid of the trees. <laughs> Whoa! Was like, but it was—it went to the student government. It went through everybody, and we started showing all these the waste and things like that. And they all voted to get rid of trees. That came from the mistake of me just trying to change to a smaller tree. And me just making the decision to do that instead of involving them in the educational part. And that's, that's when I, I knew the, the importance of educating 
them on the direction we needed to go. That's so, great. I want to see that retraction from the Daily Texan too on page right? 47. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I it's what it, what it, what do all thought leaders say without um risk and failure there's no growth. That that was a short amount of time. I know probably at the time it seemed like forever to you oh, with yeah. people throwing all this at you. Um but that's a huge difference that you made um that that I'm sure you would have come to the conclusion at some point, but because, you know, you, you lit the university on fire, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, that's pretty brilliant. I like that. Just, just, just kind of the anecdotally, you know, that's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, and I can just, I kind of feel stressed for you because that must've been just a horrible time. I had to change my whole way of making decisions. And I and I I started making decisions with three three caveats. Does it make does it improve or help the students? Can my staff can my staff pull it off? Because I couldn't do it without my staff. And then third, does it make business sense? Uh, Justin has a question for you. I do, and and you might have already kind of touched on some of it, but uh, I'm curious to know. As you look back over your career, what would you say had been has been the most rewarding aspect or aspects of of your career? I think being the 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 most important thing or or, or the things that I've learned is uh, I think my leadership style was is is changed quite a bit from when I was running restaurants to to coming on to campus and, and things like that. It, and uh, I started understanding that that uh, we are given the gift. We're given a gift when when our employees allow us to influence them. They have to allow us to do that. They have to allow us to to. There, there. It's the gift of being a leader is is given to us by the employee. That when you're leading people. They're, they're deciding, they're deciding whether to follow you and they're giving you that opportunity to, to, to influence them in the decisions that, how they're making decisions or what they're doing in, on their everyday life. When you feel that, that the team is following your, 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 your direction and things like that, God, what a gift. It just really, that, I think that's been the biggest thing in, in my career is uh when i felt that from from staff so wow that's lovely <laughs> this that is, is that's really poignant this has been really meaningful to so far to me personally um i i look forward to getting feedback from people who listen uh yeah. this is very meaningful thank you Thank you. Now, Carrie, what what Renee didn't tell you, and he texted me, was that that only he only achieved that after he handed out the shrimp cocktail <laughs> to all of his employees. Yeah, so that's part of the three things, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the first prong of the three yeah. things. Have guacamole. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so. Uh, for the average person, what are, are a few topics that we might not know? You know, going into running a dining place, uh, dining at UT is 
it it seems almost inconceivable to yeah where do you start right yeah because it's not like there's a cafeteria you know there's there's so many different ways that food is is available to the kids so like how far in advance do you need to order food and supplies and how frequently do menus change and i know i know now that you have these food committee meetings and that probably influences things but I mean, you, you were basically responsible for serving, for feeding the city of Des Moines, Iowa. It's just, <laughs> there you go. Figure it out. So, yeah. Food-wise, I mean, we don't change. Uh, we're, we're doing, just like right now, they're doing recipes and they're doing menu for next year already. So it, it's, it takes almost a whole year to, to translate the new recipes and new new items and the new flow of things uh, almost a year because we have to put it into our food management system. Our food management system uh, controls our purchasing, our inventories and everything else. So it's not like it goes overnight. And that was one of the things that we got to teach the students too is that, look at you want this? Yes, we understand, but this is what it's going to take to get to there because our dietitian had to do all has to do all the nutritional analysis of everything we're doing our chef has to create the recipes and then and then the nutritional uh analysis has to be put into food pro 2 into our food management system uh to where students can easily look on the website and see exactly what's in every dish so our system was, is, is very complex, but, but it gives the students all the, the tools to be able to, like for today, if they, they pulled up our website and they picked five things in, the, in, in our resident hall, one of the residents, each dining hall has its own website. They can pick five, five items, hit one button, and the total nutritional analysis comes out on the bottom. Wow. They can, hit the next, they can hit the next button and it'll show every ingredient that goes into that recipe. Oh my gosh. So if That's they really wanted cool. to get, if they needed it, that, that broken down to that detail, they can do it on their own now. So, when we, so when we change recipes, it's not like we do it overnight. We can't do it overnight. Right. Wow. What you said about how, how much goes into it, I think is so interesting. Okay, a student says, we want to have a quinoa power bowl, right, as a new menu item. That's popular at a lot of restaurants. Quinoa, black beans, and chicken, and arugula, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay, great. So the chef comes up with the recipe. Then it's got to go through the nutritional guidelines with the dietitian. Then you have to do cost analysis to see whether or not you can do it. Yes. And then the procurement side of it of, can I get these ingredients? Even if I have to pay through the nose, can I actually get them? And then which ones can I store in dry storage? Which ones are fresh that have to come in more frequently? Do I have the room to store fresh tomatoes when we've already got, or can I use existing tomato? Like I can't imagine just that the labyrinth of everything to create one new dish. And, you know, the student is looking at it saying, I just want a quinoa ball, bro. Figure it out. Even saying, okay, now we're going to have Lay's potato chips instead of this brand or whatever is, is a yeah, big deal. Now to change that one bag, I mean, the 
companies do it all the time. They change the bag or change, or they change the, the QI code, the Q, the, so everything scans for us. I mean, inventory scans, all this stuff. All of a sudden they'll, they'll change something on one number on the end of that, that bill. And, and then we have to go into our system and, and reboot all our system and, and, and change those one numbers or just to be able to, for inventory purposes and financial uh, deals. So I, I know that you um, you talked before about getting the students involved and, and all of that to get their feedback and have that be an ongoing process. But if you were doing switching a bag of potato chips or rolling out a new menu item, how did you do that to sort of test the waters? Because you can only do so much analysis before you actually have to put food on the plate and see if the students like it. So how, how did you go through that as far as it was it a slow rollout where you would try it at a couple of you know key locations and kind of get the feedback for a few months and then roll it out or... Did you just go for it all at once? How, how did that work? Well, it, it it was all through committees, and a lot of we do a we do a committee. We'd also pass out at the dining hall. We'd have our we'd have our chef and our, our dietitian up there, and and we'd have people serving certain small portions of it and explaining to them. All right, this is what goes in here. This is, but we'd have a card showing the whole nutritional analysis there, just in case they needed to see that. And 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 then we'd get their feedback. You know, we during the summer we used a lot of the summer school students. We used a lot of our our uh, our resident assistants that live with us on campus that are in the. So we bring them in and do testing and we or, or bring in vendors and say all right bring in these items and things like that and they would go through them and, and kind of grade them and, and, and we just did so many different things to get that feedback you just have to all the time you're always trying to get the feedback and making the right decision and it's not just about there again it's not just about cost it comes down to to what what makes sense and what's best for the student Thank you for listening to the Food Service for Thought podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And a big shout out to Forbes, Heaver, and Wallace and everyone on the team for producing the first ever Food Service Rep Driven podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Oh, and go eat out at your local restaurant or grab some takeout or delivery, even if you are just in the mood for some apps or dessert. Every bite helps.